0: This is FemPower Health. Each week, top women's health experts dispel fact from fiction. The most important pelvic floor exercise is not the Kegel. Challenge the status quo. It's, it's never this- easy
1: to yeah. challenge the accepted leaders, and especially if you're a woman.
0: Provide perspective on why your healthcare journey may be so tough.
1: All of that fear and worry, it all upregulates our nervous system puts us into fight or flight
0: mode and increases our pain sensitivity. And what you can do about it. The number one thing is you have to advocate for yourself and you have to be prepared. Your journey to get empowered starts now. Hi everyone, Georgia here. Today I'm with Prove inventor and founder Amy Gallagher beckley And Amy created an at-home PDG test, which is also known as progesterone metabolite. And it confirms ovulation, and it's a completely innovative and novel diagnostic process for measuring PDG at home. We'll learn about the company, uncover why she created this test, how PDG levels play an important role in your fertility, and the challenges that women face in seeking help given the complex dynamics of our healthcare system. I promise that you are in for a real treat. Amy, it's so nice to talk to you today. Welcome. Thanks. It's great to be here. So for everyone who's listening, I met Amy actually through an article that was published about her organization. And after my 10 years of uh, struggling with infertility and reading about her tests, which she'll tell us about, um, which confirms ovulation, I couldn't believe how obvious it was that this was missing in the marketplace and how it's quite a simple idea, but a much needed thing to, to fill some gaps in those who are trying to and struggling to conceive. So I was very excited to have the opportunity to formally be introduced to Amy so we can share with all of you the great things about PROVE as well as talk about just women's health and some of the gaps that we're all facing in our trying to conceive efforts. So Amy, tell us about
1: yourself. Amy Beckley. I have a PhD in pharmacology. Um, Loved science. I've studied hormone signaling and and drug development and vaccine development, you know, a bunch of fun things, uh, for about 20 years now. (laughs) And it wasn't until I had a personal battle with infertility that kind of got me really in, you know, ingrained in reproductive, um, endocrinology and hormones and, and getting pregnant. Um, I was, uh, in 2006 my husband and i decided we were going to try to, to conceive and you know i did all the tracking and all the the lh tests and the thermometers and you know all all the things and i could just tell my body wasn't working right um i wasn't getting the beautiful patterns that everyone was posting um i was it looked like i was ovulating i just wasn't ovulating very well or very or properly and then, you know, to call the doctor and be armed with this information and be told either that I hadn't tried long enough and that it was typical, you know, to, to, to struggle this long and to call him later, I just felt very lost um, that I I knew something was wrong. I couldn't put my finger on it exactly. And nobody was there to help me. And so that's kind of where the passion started with, hey, we deserve better. We you know, deserve answers, if there are answers, and, and to be our advocates. So, you know, after uh, about six months, we did get pregnant, um, I, you know, lost it about a week into the pregnancy, uh, which is very devastating. Um, and so but then I, I thought, okay, well, at least this is my in At least, you know, when I call the doctor, they'll actually, you know, treat me. And it was amazing that they didn't Um, they again said, Hey, this is normal. One out of every four pregnancies ends in a loss. It's just something that happens and you should just keep trying. And so I just felt even more defeated at that point. And again, we tried, you know, naturally and nobody there to help us. And finally the day came where I at that point had two losses and had been struggling for twelve months. And that 12 month struggling triggers that you're allowed to go see a doctor. So you're allowed to go see them. You pay hundred percent out of pocket usually. And I sat down next to him and he looked me in the eye and said, we have absolutely no idea what's wrong with you, but you know, we could try naturally and it's 10% chance each month or we can do IVF. And so that was literally the only options I was given. Um, I was unexplained infertile. That was my quote unquote, by diagnosis, which is again, kind of a slap in the face. (laughs) Um, and so I, we did IVF, um, we know no other choice. Basically, uh, did IVF, did two cycles. Second cycle, I conceived my son who is now almost 10. Um, so, you know, good, happy ending on that. (laughs) Um, but anybody who's done IVF knows how how hard it is to do. Um, It's financially very expensive, um, physically draining. You have to miss a lot of work, a lot of appointments. Uh, You get hormones up the wazoo that are just create, you know, make you just off balance. Um, You know, it was hard on my marriage and I decided at that point that I was not gonna do IVF again. Um, even though I wanted to have a second child. So at that point I took my, you know, educational background in, in hormone signaling and really used myself as my own Guinea pig. I said, Hey, you know, I, I just, I'm using these tools out here and there's something wrong. Like my temperature doesn't stay up very long. I, I'm spotting all the time. Um, I, I just, there's just something's not right. Um, I don't feel like I'm I'm ovulating properly. I mean, obviously I'm getting pregnant but I'm losing it. So, you know, there's, there's obviously an egg. It's just not, you know, my body's not conducive to supporting conception at this time. Um, So had lots of conversations with my physician and we talked about all the different things that, you know, it could be. And I told him I'm not doing IVF. So let's try to diagnose and fix and fix me so that I can do it naturally. Or I'll just, be happily with, with one child and and not, not more. So we went through the diagnostics and, you know, I got the cycle day three blood work. Everything looked fine. I got the ultrasounds, you know, everything was fine. Uh, Got the day 21 blood work. Uh, So this is a, looks for progesterone. Um, That number was fine. Showed I was ovulating, but what was interesting was the day 21 blood work And it showed that my progesterone was okay, that I was ovulating, but then a day or two after that, I would start um, spotting and then my period would come. And so that is called luteal phase defect. And so that is one of the biggest problems with ovulation out there. And so you ovulate and you have good progesterone levels, but it causes you to drop too quickly. And if you think about ovulation, and, and conception, your, the time from when your, your egg leaves the ovary and, and gets to the uterus is about seven to 10 days. And the role of progesterone is to prepare the uterus to receive that embryo and to um, get the uterus ready so that it can implant and be a nice environment for it to thrive. And so you need progesterone to stay high between um from when you ovulate all the way until 10 days after ovulation to make sure that your egg has enough time to go down the fallopian tube and attach in the uterus before your progesterone falls and you start your period and so that was the theory was i had what's called luteal phase defect is that i was you know ovulating just not very properly not very well um And so I asked my doctor for a simple supplement, uh, wasn't making a progesterone. So could I just have extra progesterone after ovulation? And he agreed. And within a couple cycles, I was pregnant and I was pregnant with, um, my daughter who's now six. And so that was kind of my aha moment where it was like, if I, if we could help women understand, you know, are you ovulating properly? Um, or are you at risk for luteal phase defect or weak, you know, we always say weak ovulatory events um, that could empower women with more information so that they can reach their goals faster.
0: Okay, thank you
1: so much for sharing that
0: background. I think it really helps give context for why it can be a challenge for some women to understand why they're struggling and, and I can attest also that unexplained infertility diagnosis is horrible. In my case, it was endometriosis after three years of unexplained infertility because I didn't have any symptoms and also underlying immunological issues. And so it is really hard when you're sitting with that because we, we know there's information. So either it's, in your case, the doctor's not investigating enough, or it's something that maybe has not yet been researched. Um, but it's great to see that you've, you've taken this to another level to try to solve for it. So then talk to me about the proved test and what it does and, and how it works.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the proved test is the first and only FDA cleared um, at home ovulation confirmation kit. And so that's a, that's a lot of words, but basically, what we're testing for is something called PdG or dial gluconeride for uh, the long, long name. But basically what that is, is the progesterone metabolite. And so after you ovulate, you produce progesterone. And the progesterone is in this serum. And you can go get a cycle day 21 blood draw. And you can measure your progesterone levels. Um, and that's, that's great. But you're only getting a single point in time. And it, you have to go to a lab. You have to get a blood draw. Um, but you're you know you're providing this little piece of information on your ovulation, and so what we did is we made a product that was non-invasive. So instead of measuring progesterone, we measure the metabolite. So progesterone uh, is, is it, you know circulates in the blood, goes to the liver, gets metabolized, and then secreted in the urine. What Prove does is it measures that PDG in your urine. And so by doing so, you can measure your levels of this critical hormone the entire seven to 10-day period when it should be the highest to help you understand if you're successfully ovulating. And so you're getting more data points for a longer period of time. And that is very useful information to take back to a doctor, um, and, and to move your, your journey forward. So if you, if you think about my situation, my cycle day, 21, you know, seven day after ovulation blood draw was great. I mean, it showed I ovulated showed I had progesterone, but I was still, it still wasn't the full picture and I was still dropping too soon. And I, there just, wasn't a good diagnostic testing system out there to really understand the complete picture of ovulation. I was just getting this one little point in time and I was missing this problem. And so we've created this system where it's just a more complete picture because you have more data points. And so it really helps you understand, you know, am I, do I have a healthy ovulatory event? Not just, you know, yes or no, did I ovulate, but is it, healthy and and is it successful? So so that's really you know what we what we're aiming to do with the proof kit. Um it's, it's you know in my opinion three four steps about up ahead of a blood draw because you don't have to get a blood draw you don't have to go to the lab you can do it at home you know it takes five minutes you can get it on Amazon you can get it on our website so you don't need a you know a, a doctor's prescription or a doctor visit. Um, so we're just trying to make it very, very accessible for women to have this information. And then once they have the results, they can be more empowered. They can say, you know what, I'm ovulating healthy, healthy. And this isn't this isn't a barrier for me to conceive. Or they can say, you know what, I didn't get the results I wanted to get prove wasn't positive during this this window. Um, Let me talk to my doctor and have a specific conversation with them and say, Hey, I took these tests, here's the results. This is you know, a stepping off point to have a better conversation, you know? So if you go back to my story, I had no idea what was going on. I had, I had like zero things to say to him. (laughs) And so he was like, well, we don't know. We did all the standard tests. We have no idea. IVF it is. Um, But the second time around I said, okay, here's the data. Here's what suggests. Here's, you know, our stepping off point. And that kind of guided the conversation so that he could treat me better and we could get to the outcome faster And less stress and a whole heck of a lot cheaper.
0: When I first read the article, um, I was really excited, but I got even more excited when I spoke to you to get to know this particular nuance because it is true that a lot of doctors will test on day 21 of a cycle to confirm ovulation. But even I didn't know after 10 years into this, and I'm really embedded, I talk to so many experts all the time, and 10 years in is when I'm learning that, oh, you're, uh, you're, the PDG can really change over time, and that's really the story that you need to understand around the luteal phase defect. And it, from what I'm hearing and the way you're explaining this, it's almost like the next level of detail from um, the, the ovulation tracking charts. Um, Because I know that people will track their BBT temperature and cervical fluid, et cetera, but it seems like this is just an additional data point to have an even more effective conversation with clinicians. Would you say that?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Doctors are very busy and they do their absolute best to treat you. Um, and the best use of their time and your time is to go, come in there as educated as you could possibly be. Um, I'm a type A, so I did all the things, right? I was checking cervical mucus, you know, temperature, LH, you know, all of, all of these things. And, you know, to go in with that information and, and armed with some answers at least um, is just going to help you guide the conversation and help them be able to do their job better. Um, and, and that's just going to benefit everybody involved.
0: No, I agree. Cause even when I'm looking at, I follow a lot of the Facebook groups and for some of the reproductive or the fertility tracking apps, even I, I see how the conversation is literally just, did I ovulate? Did I ovulate? and you know it's frustrating for me that you know women aren't aware that there's so much more to it than that and this is another piece which is okay if you ovulated that's fine but then do you have enough of the metabolite to be supporting you throughout a potential pregnancy and that is really important so another question then is related to so let's say someone takes the proof test and it's clear that they may need a supplement with progesterone I know that there's, um, and again, I know that you're not a doctor and can prescribe this, but I'm just curious what you've been hearing and seeing with the women that you're dealing with and what you've heard from doctors, I think it would just be helpful education. And if there's anything that you're not comfortable, like, you know, specifically speaking to, I totally get it. But, um, you know, I know that there's over-the-counter supplements that one can purchase. And there's like the end which everyone who goes through IVF takes the progesterone in oil, which is the large needle that goes into your, uh, rear end, um, and makes a nice little bruise. But, uh, I'm curious, like what type, like if there's challenges with, you know, trying to educate the medical field around this and having maybe progesterone be the prescription rather than it always being IVF, if this is clearly one of the issues. So I'm just curious if maybe you could talk about that piece in, in
1: whatever way you're comfortable addressing. So there's a couple of questions in there. The first one is, um, you know, should a, should a person have, you know, be put on supplemental progesterone to help them get pregnant? And the answer is not always yes. So for example, if a woman's not ovulating at all, then she is not going to benefit from progesterone. That's actually going to harm her <laughs> because if you don't produce that egg and you don't actually ovulate, your chance at conception is, is zero. Um so um you know taking taking proof tests, doing you know progesterone blood draws, um it is really going to help you understand, did you ovulate at all? Um and if you did, and if you had maybe a, a not very successful ovulation, um if you had a luteal phase defect, then yes, a progesterone supplement is something that could could help. So I'll turn to the research on that. There's there's a couple big studies that have been done out of the UK. Um, The, the promise trial is the biggest one and they followed women. And as soon as they got a positive pregnancy test, they either gave them supplemental progesterone vaginally or not. And then they asked, did it increase the live birth rate? And the results out of that study was it increased it by two or 3%. So Yes, it did, but it wasn't a significant amount. I mean, it helped, but it wasn't like this game changer. (laughs) It wasn't looked like, oh my gosh, this is a miracle drug. Um, And then there was other studies that that are out there where as soon as a woman confirmed ovulation, and it was three days after ovulation, then they either started them on the vaginal progesterone supplements or not, and then tracked the live birth rates. And those studies show that almost 30, 35% higher birth rates in the progesterone that got them three days after ovulation. And so what this says to me is that the timing of progesterone matters. So if you think about what exactly does progesterone do for the body and it what it does, it's it prepares the uterus to receive the embryo. So it's basically like taking a a very slippery surface and making it very sticky, so that the embryo sticks and thrives and starts growing. Um, and so, without that progesterone, that that embryo could come down and just not attach to the uterus, and so you don't get conception. And so, if you give progesterone too late, like if you give it at a positive pregnancy test, it's just it—you've already passed. The, the, the why you need a progesterone in the first place was to get ready for the body to receive that embryo. Um, so timing of progesterone matters and literature shows that starting it sooner than later is more beneficial um, as opposed to the different routes. Progesterone and oil is always what they do in IVF. Um, I got such severe sciatica from it the first cycle that I like literally couldn't walk that I was like, I'm not doing this. And so I changed the vaginal for my second. And I have a son because of that. So I, I know it works. Um, oral progesterone does not work very well because it passes through the digestive system. And by the time it reaches the, the um, uterus, it's not in the same form. And so it's not as effective. Uh, creams. Uh, creams are great for women that are going through menopause, perimenopause, um, but studies show that it takes about 10 days for the progesterone to reach the uterus and the circulation when it's taken, taken through the skin. And so while you know, women during menopause have that 10 days, uh, women that are dealing with fertility issues usually don't. So it's almost like uh, it, too, too little, too late kind of scenario. Um, and so I often don't recommend, um, I I just don't like the data coming off from the creams on a fertility standpoint. So, you know, if you have a a, a progesterone deficiency, you need to talk to the doctor and you need to get something prescription level. That's what I always suggest. Um, before you go on Amazon and and self-medicate and do things, um, always talk to a doctor first. Um, if you have a slight deficiency, you can do things naturally. So a lot of our, um, you know, women that use prove they're, they're getting results that are just barely not great. (laughs) Um, and, and they're able to do diet, lifestyle, stress relief, um, you know, kind of natural things to help them increase their levels. And then, you know, the prove results turn positive the next cycle, and then we see them posting their, their positive pregnancy tests. So, it, you know, it, it, it's not a yes, no, did I ovulate? Did I not? It's kind of a continuum of, you know, how, how good is my ovulation? Not yes or no. <laughs> and so by, by collecting more data points and, and having additional pieces of information, you can get closer to well, what's the path I need to take you know, do I need to ask them for Clomid Femara? Do I need to ask them for for a progesterone supplement? Do I just need to change what I'm eating? Do I need to do some stress relief? Like, do I need to go to the spa? Like, you know, those are the kind of things that you can answer if you had more information.
0: Fempower Health is pleased to partner with the upcoming Femtech and Consumer Innovation Summit. The summit is the latest deep dive event, part of the Women's Health Innovation Series, looking to tackle this growing sector of women's health. Having had continental success in driving innovation, investment, research, and partnerships in traditional women's healthcare by bringing together critical stakeholders, join us in New York on June 7th and 8th as we channel this success into the consumer sector of women's health. Visit www.femtechconsumerinnovation.com to view the superstar speaker lineup and enter code fempower15 for 15% off your ticket. Hope to see you there. And when you talk about diet changes to help with progesterone, what are some of the things that you've seen in the community uh, when they talk about it, like in your Facebook group and just
1: directly with Prove? That seems to be working. Uh, seed cycling is like voodoo crazy, but it works. So there's this is idea that you eat different seeds at different phases in your cycle. So the first part of your cycle, when estrogen is dominant, you eat flax and pumpkin seeds, and then in the second half of your cycle, when progesterone is dominant, you eat sunflower and sesame seeds, and that will support healthy estrogen and progesterone levels. And so women will come in and they'll test with Prove um, during the recommended time, which is seven to 10 days after ovulation. And some of them will be getting positive results three out of four days. And they're just a little worried that they're dropping a little too soon. They start the seed cycling. And then the next cycle, they're showing beautiful you know, positive results that entire four day window and then they get their, their positive pregnancy test. And it's just, it, it's mind blowing how something so simple could have such a profound effect. Um, you know, cause hormones are, are very tied to what we eat and, and how we treat our body. Um, it's interesting. So, you know, we're in the middle of this pandemic, right. And everyone's super stressed out. Um, and, and I'm getting a lot more people saying, Hey, my, my proof strips aren't working. They're, they're negative. They've always been positive. I'm like, well, you know, we're kind of stressed out right now as a society. So I don't think it's the proof strips. I think it's probably your body responding to, to the stress. Um, you know, the menstrual cycle is amazing. Like they they call it the fifth vital sign because it's a, it's a snapshot of your health, right? So if, if you're in balance and you're healthy, then your, your body is signaling to you, yes, we're ready to support, support life. And so you have a nice, healthy menstrual cycle. But if something's out of balance, you're stressed out, you're not eating well, you're not taking care of yourself, you have inflammation, your body goes, oh, no, we got to take care of this first. And they pull resources from the menstrual cycle. And the biggest one of that is progesterone, because it's the last hormone that gets released. And so by you know, understanding your ovulation, you're not only, you know, can I conceive, am I it's it's am I healthy? Is there something out of balance? And so it's really just something that a lot of women track because they want to to be healthy and they want to be imbalanced.
0: No, absolutely. And I appreciate that, you know, while I'm sad that you had to go through two miscarriages, I'm grateful that you turned it into what you did because you know, even throughout my fertility journey, like to this day, I still question I, that it, it seems like there's an amazing rhythm to a woman's body. And because there just are not a lot of clinical trials to better understand women's bodies, whether it's specific to reproductive health or just other diseases, even in with cardiovascular disease, there's not a lot of women in those clinical trials. There's just so much that's not understood. And I've always had this inkling of if we better understood the mechanics like down to the detail, like this level with the PDG, I think it would make huge changes for people's fertility. So I'm thrilled that you you did what you did because, you know, like I said, I only knew about the day 21 myself and I've been at this 10 years studying everything, talking to specialists and and I never, ever, ever came across this. Um and as far as seat cycling, I did want to comment on that. It's funny because I've talked to some of the specialists that I work with about seed cycling. And, you know, again, it's hard because there's not a lot of data around things like seed cycling and the Mayan abdominal massage and all these alternative things that can further support when we know there's a specific issue. But anecdotally, there's so many people who rave about it. And so I think, you know, for, from a fertility for me perspective, I just want to let everyone know, like we all have to do what we can and we have to acknowledge that in certain areas, there is not a clinical trial, but if you find that it's safe and you and your doctor agree that it's okay to try it, why not? And I think it's important to know about things like seed cycling, my abdominal massages, et cetera, because they do help a lot of people.
1: Yeah. So- <laughs> there's, there's some IVF clinics that they're, they mandate, you know, acupuncture, you know, before and after Uh, you know, retrievals and and transfers. Uh, One of the big ones is is CCRM here in Colorado. They're like, you know, one of the top uh, places and have the highest success rates. And they mandate their patients to do acupuncture. I know I did it. (laughs) That was one of my
0: tricks. It was almost like voodoo for me. I'm like, I will not do a transfer unless I have an acupuncturist book for right before and after. Some clinics even allow your acupuncturist to come there if they don't have one on site. Um, so one of the things too that, that's almost interesting about Prove is the two-week wait. So I think we've talked about this before where uh, you, know, you have your, your test that, okay, I've ovulated, you time your intercourse, and then you just wait. And what I love about Prove is it's almost like, okay, ladies, there's now another thing you can do so you don't feel like you're just waiting. There's another data point that you can gather for yourself that will add to the basal body temperature tracking that you're doing. So, I think this is a, a great added, um, you know, f- that can help people feel a lot more informed about what's going on with their body. So, I think that's another great thing. Yeah. So, there are these fertility tracking apps and devices, and they're really measuring, like, you're, you enter in things about your cervical fluid, maybe how you're feeling. Um, and then there's uh, an your basal body temperature, and you track. And again, like I said before, a lot of people just use it to determine when they're ovulating. Not a lot of people use the, or, or even understand how to monitor it from other aspects, um, but it is a, another tool that people use. Another that they supplement with to better understand ovulation is the ovulation predictor kits. So maybe just to make sure that everyone is really clear. So what does an ovulation predictor kit do versus what does the uh, proof test
1: which confirms ovulation do? So how are those different? They measure different hormones that are produced at different times of the cycle. So ovulation predictor kits, um, you know, monitoring cervical mucus, even basal body temperature, those types of devices are geared towards predicting ovulation. And so that tells the couple, when am I going to, you know, drop an egg, so to speak? When am I going to ovulate? And when am I most fertile? Therefore, when should I have intercourse? Um, And so those typically measure a hormone called LH or luteinizing hormone. Um, Some of them also measure estrogen. And so those are the hormones that are produced in the um, first half of your cycle. So estrogen goes up and then your egg is mature and a surge in LH or luteinizing hormone causes that follicle to rupture and the egg to be released. And that is called ovulation. And so those predictor kits tell you, okay, I'm going to release an egg. This is when I'm most fertile because an egg is only able to be fertilized for you know less than 24 hours after it's released. And so that really pinpoints, okay, this is when I should have intercourse. And so the egg leaves the ovary travels down the fallopian tube and to the uterus to get um, to implant, you know, for, for a pregnancy. And if you want to actually confirm that this ovulation actually happened, you have to measure progesterone with a blood draw, or you measure PDG with a proof kit. And that tells you, yes, you actually, you know, ovulated, you're actually producing this, the second hormone progesterone or PDG, to get your body prepared to ovulate or uh, to 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 receive the embryo um, and and be pregnant Um, a lot of women uh, especially with with pcos um, will get the positive lh surge and they'll think that they're ovulating but they're not really have this healthy ovulation event so it's important not only to predict when you're going to ovulate but also to confirm that it actually did happen Um, In my case, I was predicting it, having intercourse the same at the the right time. I just wasn't confirming that I had a good ovulatory event. And that's what was preventing me from having that take-home baby. And so, you know, just as important as it is to predict ovulation so you can time intercourse, it's also important to confirm ovulation to know that you're actually ovulating and even have a chance at conception. That's absolutely true. Thank you so
0: much. I think that's a really good explanation to help the community who is trying to conceive better understand the, the different aspects of how the body works. Cause unfortunately we just aren't educated a lot, right? I think uh, we're both of the generation and I do hope by now things are changing where it was um, you get your period, go have babies and that's about it. <laughs> so thank you for that further education. Now in a, an interesting time when it comes to fertility, only 10 years ago people weren't talking about it it was pretty secretive and now there are we've gone to the other extreme where there is clinics that just focus on egg freezing so that people can bank their eggs for one day when they want to get pregnant it's all over social media celebrities are talking about their reproductive health whether it's specific to having a baby or challenges with things like PCOS and endometriosis and so i can imagine with the noise of so many people talking about it that trying to even get in and introduce a new way of thinking can have its own challenges, even if it is something that would prove helpful. So I'd love to better understand some of the challenges that you faced in educating the community, whether it's the women or even the clinicians, around having this additional data point
1: to support someone's trying to conceive efforts. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the few challenges that we've had have been, um, some of the doctors see the studies that, you know, like I, like I said before the promise trial where there's only a, you know, 2% chance or 2% increase in live birth rates following progesterone supplementation. And so they, you know, like I said, doctors are so busy and they're just slammed with so much information and they just see that one line that, you know, 2% higher success with progesterone. And then they get in this, this mind that it's like, Oh, well, progesterone doesn't matter. Like um, it's not going to help you. I'm, I'm not going to do it. It's only, it's only uh, recommended if you've had three losses and then they just kind of, you know, shoo you off until you've had three losses and then you qualify for such treatments. Um, but to that, it's just that we have to educate and we have to, you know, it's not, it's not their fault. Like it, they are super busy. It should be the woman's, um, uh, role to know as much about her body that she can so that she can come in and she can have those good conversations and she can, you know, say, here's the data. Here's what, you know, here's, here's what I want. Here's these studies and, you know, advocate for herself. And if that doctor still won't listen, you know, just, a lot of doctors out there, go get another one. Um, we know one that's going to support you. Um, so that's, that's been one thing that's been challenging is, you know, people that do, and I'm, I'm air quoting in case you can't see <laughs> um, wrong science. And it's just, it's not the right science. And, and that's what gets publicized and, and kind of disseminated into, into the world. Um, And so, you know, the more we can know about our own bodies and advocate for ourselves and have physicians and and medical professionals that support us, the better. And then the other challenge is we designed Prove to look like a pregnancy test or an ovulation test. And we did that on purpose because we wanted it to be easy. We wanted, you know, you collect first morning urine, you dip a strip, you wait five minutes, read the number lines like just super easy that everybody can have access to this information. It didn't require, you know, $200, $300 piece of equipment that you had to purchase. Um, It was, you know, didn't require a lab. You didn't have to get a prescription, you know, just how, how simple that is. But people see, you know, the test strip and they go, oh, that's just a, you know, an ovulation predictor kit. I, I have those already. Um, and so really educating on the science, on how it's different, and, you know, how powerful this additional information is, is a little bit challenging. Because if you see a picture of our test next to an, an ovulation predictor kit test, like, oh, they're the same. Uh, you know, why do I need both?
0: I can definitely see that as a challenge <laughs> with the intention of trying to make it something that people understand, but then they, they, they don't understand the nuance to understand that it actually is different. And I do want to echo about being, uh, your own advocate. I recall recently I went to a, a doctor's office and I, they basically said, well, there's nothing we can do to test for what's going on with you. Cause my cycle's off. Um, and I agree with you with the stress, but I think there might be some other things going on. And, uh, and I had to literally like list out for her the blood work I wanted done because she was like, I'll order it for you, but I don't think it's going to do anything. And um, luckily I was armed with what I think I needed to be tested for just to make sure that there wasn't an issue. And, and that was really frustrating. And, and uh, you know, I definitely felt Like, am I being a bully because I'm asking for this or am I advocating for myself? And again, like I come from the pharmaceutical industry, like I'm used to dealing with doctors. And even I felt like I was a kindergartner, just like, am I doing the right thing by myself? And it's just, it's really, really hard. Um, But I do think knowing, knowing the information about your body is, is the best that we can do. Yeah you say in this journey in building your company and educating women and providing such great tools and through your own journey, what would you say is your greatest hope for women's health?
1: There are so many amazing people out there doing amazing innovations that are getting us closer and closer to understanding more about our bodies and, and getting us to where we need to go. I was reading someone's blog. I I can't remember who it was, but they just said, what if IVF was the past? Like we didn't have to do this anymore. And I said, how fabulous would that be if we could understand everything? Because IVF is a big medical band-aid, means we're just going to fix everything that could possibly go wrong in this big procedure, which is great. Like it is amazing. And, you know, I have a son from IVF and I never would have, had him if I hadn't had IVF, but I also know how how stressful and, and time-consuming and expensive it can be. And so if we can get to a world where we don't need to do IVF, we can fix everyone's problems without it, that would be huge, It'd be absolutely huge. So, you know, I just, there's so many smart people out there that are making amazing things that I have, you know, good hope for the future that we can really, you know, fix this problem and, you know, infertility rates are growing. They're not shrinking, they're growing. And now there's going to be more innovation to address that. I have good, good feelings for the future.
0: You know, it, it makes me think about the survey that we built at fertility for me, just kind of going into that. What if we didn't need IVF? Because one of the things that I've observed in the journey is women are the best source of information for what's going on on the ground, because the doctors legitimately so are using data to help drive decision-making. But like you said, they're very busy. And so, you know, they're, and as a consultant, like, you know, it's all about stakeholder management. So that's my, my profession on the side. And you know, thinking about all the stakeholders, when you look at women, we're the ones who talk to each other outside of the doctor's office to figure out what's working, what's not working, what are our friends doing, and how is it helping them? And I think that's really where so much of the wealth of information is. And that's why I built the survey, because if I could crowdsource that into data to see, like, what are some trends that are happening that maybe no one even realizes to add to people like yourself who have the scientific knowledge around how the body works and merge all of this information to figure out what really is the best path forward. And I I hope that that data will will be helpful. It is my hypothesis that it can, because then it levels the playing field of information rather than it being scattered around on Facebook groups or internally with a small friend network who knows the secrets of what works. So yeah, I I definitely do see there's a lot going on in women's health and this is just such a great time to be a woman, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say inspires you on a day-to-day basis? I'm sure there's ups and downs, you know, with trying to educate the the community. um, But what what keeps you going on those hard days?
1: Um, It's gotta be the women in our uh, Facebook group. So we pride ourselves on... Helping women become their own advocates and getting the information they need. So, we created a, a Facebook group. Uh, so, you know, it's a private group. And anybody who, you know, uses PROVE, wants to learn about PROVE, um, you know, wants to talk about, you know, ovulation, progesterone, LH, like you know, any of those kind of topics, can come in and, and, and join the, the community. And seeing them come in with, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm at the end of my rope, to learning and using prove and advocating and then coming back on and showing us their positive pregnancy tests I'd be like you know what this wouldn't have happened if i hadn't found you guys and i didn't advocate to get help and that's so empowering and it definitely keeps us going um, we just started tracking you know pregnancies that were a, a direct result of prove and we're up to 98 so it's like wow 98 people never would have gotten pregnant if it was not for prove
0: That's wonderful. Well, congratulations. And what I see, Amy, um, if I could be your business planner, is once you get everyone educated on Prove, I can totally see a next move for you all is to continue with the diagnostics, because I really do think there's so much more we can better understand about how the woman's body works to better inform what needs to be done before jumping to IVF. And again, I don't think any of us are saying IVF is bad, but You know, I do think many of us do agree that sometimes we jump to it too quickly. And a lot of it is because we just don't have the information. And so I do hope you continue on this path with your knowledge and uh, just congratulations. And I appreciate you making time, especially in the midst of COVID-19 and and sending the best to everyone who's struggling with this really, really tough time. So thank you again, Amy.
1: You brought up COVID-19, so I'm going to bring it up too. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. We, we've, we've, you know, looked at the data and then doctors are like, well, should I continue to TTC? Should I not this and that Well, the you know, fertility clinics are, are closed, you know, I mean, it's not safe. And, you know, pregnant women are unfortunately having to give birth by themselves because they can't have their significant other in there. And so, you know, the approach that we've taken and that the doctors suggest is that women should take this time to learn about their bodies, right? So fertility clinics are closed. You can't do IVF right now. You can't do IUIs. Um, And and so instead of just, you know, kind of sitting around and getting more frustrated because you're you're losing time and you're you're not doing anything to, you know, increase your knowledge and, you you know, get closer to that end goal, You know, we're offering 30% off of all of our tests until fertility clinics open, because we feel like this is a time you should be learning about your body and, and getting prepared to have those conversations when, with your doctor, when they open up. I mean, we, we just gave away 33 kits to women that had their cycles canceled. Um, and they were, they were devastated. Now, are we going to get them all pregnant? No. I mean, some of them could have, you know, tube problems, uterus problems, you know, things that we can't control, but how awesome would it be? I mean, it's kind of like a silver lining that if we gave them a the little bit of knowledge that they needed, that at the end of this, when their doctor calls and said, okay, when do you want to schedule IVF? And they say, hey, you know what? I learned something in this this couple months that I might, might, I might not be ovulating properly. Can we try these other things first? And then if we could save people from having to go down that route, um, would just be phenomenal.
0: I completely agree with you. And what's funny is I just published a blog that spoke to this. I used the learnings of my journey and the many, many mistakes I made because I refused to pause and learn my bo- about my body. And I kind of almost wish a COVID would have happened to me. So, or not, not I say COVID because that's I don't I don't want anyone to misunderstand the intention of what I'm trying to say, but more of. You know, I wish something would have forced me to stop and learn even more because I made a lot of bad decisions in the rush. And I think this is just a great time for people to pause and assess many, many things in their life, including their approach to trying to conceive. So thank you for doing that for the community. And you know, I do think we all have to find a a positive light in this. And, And I do hope that more people being able to to better understand their body will lead to those pregnancies that they so desire. Yeah, I hope so. Well, thank you again, Amy. This is, uh, it's again, so great to know you and thank you for everything that you're doing. And I look forward to having more conversations and seeing how things move along with uh, women's education around their bodies um, in a broad sense. So thank you again. Always talk to your doctor before making health related decisions. Additionally, the views expressed by the FemPower Health podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. See you next week. social media algorithms love today's insights show your support by rating and reviewing our podcast your feedback is more than just a pat on our backs here at FemPower Health it lights the way for others seeking guidance and community in their health journey amplifying the voices that need to be heard And for a deeper dive into today's topics, check out the show notes and explore our website at fempower-health.com. Our site is a treasure trove of knowledge neatly categorized by topics of interest and life stages, ensuring you find exactly what you need to empower your health journey. And your voice matters to us deeply. Whether you have a question, a story to share, or feedback on our episodes, reach out directly at info at fempower-health.com drop us a message on social media, or hit reply on any newsletter. Your insights inspire our conversations. And a quick note, the knowledge we share is here to embolden you in discussions with your healthcare provider. It's not medical advice. Always consult with your doctor for health decisions. And remember, the diverse perspectives of our guests reflect their individual journeys, and it's not an endorsement by Fempower Health. Here's to empowering your health journey one episode at a time, and I'll see you on the next FemPower Health podcast episode.